and welcome to a brand new special episode of Invasion of the Podcasters. Um, this week uh, we are joined by, and we've, well, in fact we've already interviewed with, uh, filmmaker Gabriel Brown. Um, he's uh, joined us to chat about his uh, feature film, Finding Your True Self. Um, so we've, uh, myself and Simon, hello Simon. Hello, Graham. Uh, we've uh, put together a little interview with Gabriel, who just joined us before. Um, so we're going to go into that interview where he discusses his film, um, which he gave us a little sneak preview for, and he's going to be having a, a regional premiere um, of it from the time of recording today, the 27th, will be tomorrow at Anik Playhouse. Um, Less than 24 hours away. <laughs> 24 hours. But, uh, so do not expect a fully edited episode by then. Sorry. Well, but we will be posting up about it when it uh, comes available. But this is just a little taster. It's a special interlude before we get balls ro- uh, the ball rolling with uh, season three. Before we get our balls rolling. Nice. Did I just say, yeah, balls rolling. Let's go with it. Um, well, you know, there are four balls now to get rolling. Cause, you is know, there not six got... balls? Yeah, yeah, I guess there is. <laughs> do, do you and Scott only each have one? <laughs> well, we're both from Winlayton, you know what it's like up here. Anyway, so, yes, yes. sorry, we should say that we've also brought on board a proper honorary podcaster. Uh, I know she was already a part of us covering for Graham's paternity, but, you know, she's so damn good that we've decided to keep her. Laura is now a permanent podcaster, so please. she's unfortunately not with us tonight. Uh, Scott isn't either, both very busy people, but they will be part of the season coming up soon as well. So yeah, just keep an eye out. So if you uh, do subscribe to us, this should hopefully just pop into your podcast uh, repository of choice, um, or we will be posting up on our socials. So do make sure to download and give us a listen and keep an eye out for future episodes. But for now, let's just get the tape rolling with our interview with Gabriel. Hope you enjoy. The tapes rolling. <laughs> Did I say nah, tapes? It's just one tape, isn't it? It's just one tape. <laughs> let's let it roll. We have the pleasure today of being joined by Gabriel Brown, who's uh, going to talk to us today about his uh, film production, uh, which we've had the chance to uh, all see and also uh, have a sort of a discussion around today. So we've got some questions to go through with Gabriel. Um, so the, the film itself is Finding uh, Your True Self. Um, so without further ado, uh, over to you, Gabriel, for a bit of introduction. Okay, yeah. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I'll, I'll, I'll get that out, uh, make sure that is said before I forget. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay, so I'm uh, Gabriel Brown. I'm based in the Northeast, and I'm, um, well, if you, go, if you go off this film's credits, I'm writer, director, co producer, editor. But uh, if you want to narrow That's it a down. It's a quadruple threat. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? It's, uh, but if you want to <laughs> narrow it down, let's go writer, director, slash general <laughs> filmmaker, trying to <laughs> create, create things people want to watch. You don't uh, want to pigeonhole yourself, do you? Exactly, yeah. No, it's like yeah, jack of all trades, master of none, trying to <laughs> trying to keep busy. But uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I wrote, directed the film, and we have our premiere tomorrow, which is very yes. weird to still kind of speak out loud. <laughs> yeah, so, That's I mean, exciting, we've, uh, though, man. We've, we've posted on our socials about it, and also when this podcast uh, goes yeah, out. Yeah, I saw. Cheers um, for that. No, no worries, all, no worries at all. Um, so we should say that as well. Today's date is January 27th. The premiere is going to be at the Attic Playhouse tomorrow, January 28th. Are there any more planned screenings, or is that just the um, first one? I think one? There, there's going to be, not the full thing, but there's... I don't know if you guys have heard of New Enterprise Studios, but they're having a little film night soon. And they okay. they invited us to show off a little bit of the film, so I think we're going to show off about a 10-minute uh, segment and then the teaser trailer, sort of as a... 
you know, it'll be on digital platforms soon. Here's a little glimpse at it kind of thing. But on a, oh, nice. you know, a bit more of a screening note. So what Warner Brothers are doing at the minute with like Dune in the Matrix and all that, just before it hits VOD, they're releasing the first ten minutes. Yeah, it's been it's been a thing, hasn't it, for a while. Yeah. I remember seeing that for films like uh, like Glass, you know, like Shyamalan's Glass, yeah. the first ten minutes, but or, mm-hmm. or the first nine minutes. Sometimes you think, what's the difference between the nine and the ten? Really, like why is the? But uh, I, it's a strange one because I think. I don't know. I I remember they did it for like Amazing Spider-Man Two as well, didn't they? That, that really? Back in, I'm sure I remember the they did it, but I think they started the film where he first starts swinging, not with the bit on the plane at the start. Oh, got you. Got so it's kind of like yeah, it's yeah. the first ten minutes, but not the first ten. It's a yeah, <laughs> the first not, ten interesting minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not the bit where they're <laughs> some sort of spy film on a plane. Yeah, it's a weird marketing strategy, but it uh, is. It is. <laughs> well, you know, credit to them and credit yeah, to you yeah, yeah. as well. Um. So. I guess, tell us what your first feature film's all about. Yeah, so the story follows James, who's uh, quite an isolated, uh, recluse uh, young male, sort of in his early 20s. And he lives and well lives with, and his only point of substantial human contact is his brother, Charlie, who he is. So they live together, and then Charlie is very controlling, but a chance encounter with a pair of very outgoing, very social best friends uh, called Rosalind and Dave kind of allowed James uh, not only a chance to break free of Charlie, but uh, a new lease uh, on life, as it were. Uh, And I should note that it's not autobiographical because I had a few people ask (laughs) about that. It's like, no, there's no controlling brothers or outgoing social best friends. It's it's uh, completely fictional. I'll make sure I say yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> seeing how it develops into the third act, um, that's good news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I, I, feel, I feel especially after people who've seen it, it's like the premise alone, you kind of say, yeah, don't worry, it's not autobiographical. But then after you've seen it, it's, uh, it's especially... It's really not autobiographical. Yeah, it's really, yeah. don't worry. <laughs> it's yeah. fiction. Yeah. <laughs> it's fiction. Yeah. I need some sort of disclaimer, maybe, at the start of the screening. <laughs> Fantastic. So, I mean, in terms of obviously leading up to this as your first main feature, I mean, what sort of background have you had? What's led up to to this point before um, to, uh, to finding your true self? Yeah, I don't know. I, it kind of. I think it was a mix of me feeling like it was the right time, and then me and uh, Addison, Addison Keane, who's my co-producer, and he's in the film uh, as well as the gallery host. I think it was obviously lockdown here, and we sort of just said to each other well, we've got this time now to to plan and to do something. I think like a lot of people did. And I sent, I think I'd sent him an early version of the script and he really liked it. And I said, well, well, let's let's make it this then. Let's, you know, let's do this. Uh, and I think then for me personally, I'd done a few shorts. Uh, I'd just kind of rounded off this uh, documentary that had been funded by the Virgin Money Foundation. And that was kind of... It was kind of felt like the the natural ladder in a way, you know. I'd done a few shorts, done a bit of videography, then gone on to like the next stage with this documentary. Then COVID happened, and it was kind of like this push of right, let's go to the the next stage now, you know. Let's get let's yeah. well, just give it a go and see what happens, really. Mm-hmm. That's the story of this podcast as well. well so. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> well, yeah. We we sort of planned this just as COVID was just bubbling under before lockdown yeah hit. So, literally the last time i went out i think was to meet with you and, and talk about the the inception mm-hmm. of podcasters really crazy wasn't it, it was odd two yeah, years we all, had grand, we all had grand plans of sort of meeting up together and doing it but we yeah. we haven't seen each other in uh in years yeah. it's just all been done remotely it's but we had, yeah. well, how did you find how did you find it gabriel and with recording under sort of covid conditions 
it was all right. I think uh, it delayed us for a bit, but thankfully, because I think we wanted to start filming in January last year, and then I think there was that one month lockdown after mm-hmm. Christmas because, well, you know, government long story, blah blah blah. But uh, uh, so that pushed us back a bit, but that was quite nice actually because we needed that little bit of extra time. So it was all right. It was just that thing of an extra level of panic as well as panicking about every other thing like you do on a film but it was okay really everyone obviously understood the the way of the world by then and what was going on so yeah. we were all pretty much accustomed to it and doing daily testing and things like that i think that was the time really when tests had only just become a bit more available you know to order yeah. And yeah. we were a little bit worried up until that point because we thought, well, if we can't get tests, then this is just such a such a risk, a risk. and we're going to have to yeah. see about buying them. And I think they were really, really costly at the time. Uh, and then thankfully, I think with that delay of the one month and with just the situation at the time, they started allowing you to order tests. So we just went, right, yeah, get it, let's get on it. And we can do daily <laughs> testing for every single person throughout the whole yeah, thing. And stockpile. It, <laughs> it's literally, yeah, it was a bit of a stockpile, but a stockpile, not in a, in a mad sense, but in a sense, we knew it, they were going to get used, yeah, really. Yeah, good, good. So, I mean, in terms of, um, obviously you said you've emphasised quite strongly that it's not uh, autobiographical. So, <laughs> uh, what um, sort of led to the inspiration of the story? I don't know really, there's a smattering of things really, um, one thing that I always sort of come back to and, and, and quote is there's there's a scene in, well it's called T-Tune Trainspotting but Trainspotting 2, <laughs> uh, I don't know why they called it that, um, but there's a scene in that where um, space, Ewan McGregor and Ewan Bremner go for like a jog up to Arthur's seat and it's quite sort of fun and easy going and about them, about Spud, the character trying to get a bit of a new lease on life. So then that kind of inspired a scene, um, the jogging scene where they go along the quayside. And mm-hmm. then there's other sort of aspects like uh, God Help the Girl, Kings of Summer, kind of having that trio of main characters. And I know there's four main characters in this sense, um, but the trio in the sense of the friendship group, which is, yeah. in my and sense, James Rosalind and Dave. quote antagonist being the fourth. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, so things like that kind of inspired it. I think the most ironic thing is after... Well, not after I'd finished writing it, but after we'd got a little way into pre-production, and I'd just not thought about it, I sat back and thought, this is really quite similar to Perks of Being a Wallflower. Um, mm. Both in kind of its concept, um, in the sense of the protagonist's personality... And then even actually down to the two best friends, who in Perks of Being a Wallflower, I think they're stepbrother, stepsister. But even down to sort of their personalities and how they interact with him. But then that never actually entered my mind when I was writing it at all. So I don't know if it's it was a funny subcon- thing. subconsciously there, maybe. Yes, yes. yeah, that, that's what it is. You pick up on loads of stuff and it just yeah. enters via osmosis. <laughs> yeah, but no, it was just... It, it was just a, a, a smattering of things. It, it's maybe the, the subconscious of... Uh, Wallflower and then that one scene from Trainspotting 2 and mm-hmm. I've always found that's kind of how my mind works I'll go yeah that line was cool oh yeah maybe that could be a thing or oh that scene was <laughs> or that clip and it, you start it starts kind of piecing itself together in a way yeah yeah but then I guess developing it from that point and honing it down into you know a coherent whole mm. is a very big undertaking so what was the process like developing the script uh, I mean, I'm, I always, I think, I, this is why Addison's great, because he remembers all the dates, and I just say, oh, it was sometime around there I think I started writing it. Um, I think I'd originally, 
I, I, it wasn't like a COVID script, as it were. I didn't start writing it just with that. I think I drafted something along the lines of, I don't know, maybe 40 or 50 rough pages here and there. I mean, it was originally quite different because I think I originally wrote it with the mindset of not making it myself. Uh, mm-hmm. So my scripts are always a lot different when I think, well, I'll make this myself because I, I like to be quite literary and things like that, So, which is a big no-no in, in scripts. But... Uh, so I originally, I think I, I mentioned like songs in the script and talked about this grand thing and uh, the flashback scenes were longer and then it kind of all, I don't know, I just sort of tr- trimmed the fat and honed it a little bit over time. But uh, I don't know, it, it, it feels so long ago, but it, it really isn't in reality, mm-hmm. I think, because it's been such a such a thing of, oh, well, it's been written and it's been refined and then we've shot it and then now it's showing off tomorrow. You think, when did I start actually writing <laughs> writing this thing <laughs> but no it, it felt easy enough uh it was weird because obviously it's my first feature script probably a bit shorter than your average feature script but then to be honest i'm quite surprised at how long the film turned out in comparison because the script was about i think 74 75 pages oh wow. so you normally okay, work rare. on the assumption you know that one minute equals uh, sorry one page equals one minute mm-hmm. screen time but in this instance we ended up with about just short of an hour and a half so Especially up... when it's so dialogue heavy as well, that you exactly. think that would like push the. Would, yeah, yeah. I remember mm-hmm. thinking, and that that was a big learning curve, really, actually, because, like, for example, the the scene which I called the fun scene, which is the big James and Charlie argument, a uh, long take scene. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. kind of think, oh, is that going to zoom by when we do it, or is it going to take a while, and things like that just w- weren't what you expected. But yeah, it was very strange uh, how the seventy-five pages somehow ended up being almost as if it was a, a 90 page script or just shy of uh, I'm, I'm honestly not quite sure which bits ended up being longer I think it's uh, I guess it's just the dialogue heavy bits especially in the middle section kind of uh, mm-hmm. slow it down slow the pace down a bit but uh, yeah that was that was quite the, probably the most surprising thing yeah and of course a lot of that is left up to the actors as well like they kind of like determine exactly, the, yeah. the pace and you're there to kind of mediate that yeah, but, yeah. you know depending on how quiet they allow certain moments to get and i think you know one of the strengths of the film is some of the quieter moments actually oh thank particularly between you know james and rosalind um yeah yeah that that that, that was quite a strange day on set because that's the slowest things have been uh mm-hmm. and i think it was weird both in the sense of oh you're standing there watching people perform it and also weird in the sense of everything had been so, and still was in the back of my mind. So all right, we need to go here. We need to do this. And because me and Addison were the only producers, you're you're obviously thinking of more things than you normally <laughs> you normally would be on set as the director. Mm-hmm. So I remember, I think I was just standing there, kind of like arms folded, sort of tapping on my arm. And I, uh, to somewhat to anyone sort of passing by, it would have looked like I wasn't with it at all. But I was completely <laughs> intent. But because it's such a a slower scene and it, it takes its time it was just very it was very odd because up until that point it had all been uh quite light-hearted and even though we'd shot the argument by then that with that being a long take and shouting it's a lot more energetic so it that mm-hmm. that was i think the first time i really felt everything slow down for a moment and uh that i think it reflects itself in the film that that's kind of what it was like on set everything kind of took a breath in a way 
yeah. yeah. I mean, in terms of then, so of, of how you've scripted to then coming to shoot it, so how much would you say was either able to be improvised? How much of the film did you find in the edit? Was it basically page to screen, or was there much in the edit? Yeah, sort of pretty much. There's, there's only two little bits which I've cut out from the film, one of which I really didn't want to, as is always the case with things that you, you edit. Uh, so there was there's this one little scene towards the start of the film where... Uh, Charlie's kind of hanging over the back of James like this evil parrot on his shoulder but there's a br- there's a brief bit where it cuts away to this kind of imagined scenario of Charlie meeting Dave and Rosalind uh, which I guess is maybe the Danny Boyle because he always liked those random cutaways and stuff but that kind of felt a bit out of place and we showed that to a few people they had no clue what it was meant to be uh, and then there's this one other bit which I think was a couple of pages uh, so again, it's the great mystery of how have we cut that and it still ended up being as long as it is. But uh, <laughs> there's this couple of pages before that evening scene with the three of them and before the evening scene with James and Rosalind where it's after they've done their cleaning up montage, they have this little nice moment. And that is funny you say about improv because that was a, a fair bit of improv, but it ended up being cut because of kind of the pacing. Mm-hmm, uh, because right. the way it kind of flowed was they have their cleaning montage they have this little scene with the three of them, which was very light-hearted, and then it kind of time jumps to the same setting of the three of them sat there. So, mm. I mean, I don't know if it, that comes across with just me saying it, but when you watch that, it it felt very interrupting. Yes. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, that was quite a bit of improv. Like I just sort of went over to, to Anthony, who plays Dave, and just whispered and said, oh, I try this voice, or I said, what are you going to do? And he'd tell me, and it'd be like, yeah, sure, because it was a fun sort of light-hearted doing lots of different accents and stuff kind of scene. So, uh, but no, I think other than that, it was very script to, uh, to the performance and then to the edit. There was, uh, I think there was maybe one, one bit. I mean, I don't want to say too much, but in that James and Rosalind scene, uh, there's the bit towards the end where they have a bit of an exchange where he says to her about you deserve more good in your life. That, that little mini exchange. And originally in the script, that was uh, Rosalind saying it to James. And I remember going to Sarah and Robbie as well, who plays James. But I said to Sarah, oh, no, let's let's swap this around. Because it after all of that, you know, after all of that whole scene, it doesn't make, it just does not work for it to be how it's currently written. And then I think that there were a few other bits. It's, uh, they were all great, really, because they'd all come up with these little, these little instances, the actors, uh, that just as actors do, all these little bits that they bring to it that just really bring it to life in a way that, that you never could have predicted, really. Yeah, yeah well, that's the thing as a, as a director you've and the writer. You've got, you can't be too precious over your script depending yeah. on Classic, how it comes across scenario. on the day. So, yeah, yeah. you've got trust yeah. in your actors. Yeah, no, they Indeed. they were great. We, we, could, we couldn't have picked... Uh, couldn't have picked better people. They, they were all fantastic. And I think you, you have all those ironies, don't you, of... Um, Oh yeah, Sarah. So yeah, Rosalind, photographer. Oh yeah, I've got these cameras. Oh yeah, I'll go ships. Yeah, your characters are gonna wear black. Oh yeah, I've got loads of black in my wardrobe. It's like, <laughs> and it may, you know, that may be a coincidental habit, but it's like more than maybe your average person has got this in their wardrobe or this prop or likes this thing, and you end up thinking, well, this is, it feels like ideal casting at least. Yeah, feels organic. Yeah. How did you cast the film, by the way? Had you worked with the actors before? No. Um. I'm trying to think. I'd never worked with any of them before in the sort of uh, writer-director capacity or anything like that. 
Um, Amanda, who plays Dr. Evergreen, I knew briefly. I was a runner on a short film she was in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I met her when we were both extras on an episode of Vera. I ran into her again. <laughs> so it was sort of like third time lucky was that the right uh, director-actor duo. Um, and then I think, yeah, none of the others I'd, I'd worked with before, apart from Addison, of course, who I'd done short films and such with. But no, we, we cast it using social media. So we used Facebook and we used Twitter, but we decided very quickly that we weren't going to push it on Facebook because Twitter became the complete gold mine for for auditions i think we got uh about 200 250 uh emails and then that that's kind of doubled for the for the last casting call we, we put out i think obviously because you pick up actors who follow you along the way uh but yeah twitter was a, amazing and if you get it you know you, you get all these actors they all share it to each other they were great so they've got that great kind of community so yeah but twitter's the twitter's the place to go if you want if you want to cast <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even the retweet last night from our account about the screening, we were like, "Oh gosh, this is like what twelve retweets, something like that." That's actually, <laughs> that's actually pretty good. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm glad there's a little sort of storm surrounding this film, actually. Yeah, well, it's 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 nice. It's it's just nice to see people, you know, have the interest in it, and and I think it's very. We're very grateful as well to to so many of the actors who auditioned because you say to them, look, we we really do want to work with you all. It's just the case of it just can't always be everyone. But Mm -hmm. a lot of them have uh, have either stayed in touch or we can see on Twitter they've stayed, they've followed the film's progress. There's ones who we've who we're going to work with soon, and there's ones who who have just kind of had a, a general chat every now and then. So. I, I, I think thankfully no one was sort of hurt by the rejection. It's it's stay it stayed a nice community. Good. Didn't turn toxic. Yeah. Always a good sign. Exactly. But um, you mentioned there, Gabriel Vera. So for for people who are listening (laughs) far and wide, um, it's a a bit of a northeast institution, uh, all filmed up here in the northeast of England. So um, how do you find uh, sort of film production, the northeast little hotbed of uh, talent? And how how did you come to manage to help get the film funded up here in the northeast as opposed to a a thriving metropolis such as uh, London or somewhere like that? Well, that's that's the thing. The northeast, I think people are finding starting to to wake up and realize how wonderful it is there's been a few things here and there but i know there's been lots of investment in it recently that's going to take place over the next 10 years or something uh in terms of the funding it was crowdfunded and we made just over a thousand it was maybe a thousand 250 something something in that region uh maybe a bit more again this is why addison's great because he remembers the, the facts and figures better than i do uh and i just say yeah well i think it was around that but we we did some crowdfunding we did a little bit of product placement as well so that gave us a little bit extra and then the the other bits sort of you know for you for your as and whens for for props and things like that we just kind of self-funded or, or you know asked plenty of favors plenty of requests and discounts here and there where possible really yeah mm-hmm. Fantastic. So, I mean, as you say, Addison's the one who remembers the sort of dates and figures. <laughs> Better than I me, mean, at least, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, well, to ballpark for, for non-filmmaker uh, listeners out there, um, what, what sort of timescale are we talking about here from either the conception of the idea of it to where we are now or to certainly when the production, the ball started rolling where you had cameras in hand and you were going about filming? I'm going to maybe estimate the back half of 2020 was when I probably sat down and went to the script a bit more. Like, I probably had bits drafted by then, but then probably went to it. 
and me, I think I just added to it as and when, because at that time it was, you know, well, we're not, we're not going to make this. And like I said, I was originally writing it, assuming someone else, fingers crossed, might have made it. And then I think it was around maybe spring of 2021, possibly earlier, I think. No, 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 sorry. Earlier than that, because uh, 2021, January was the delay. So January 2020 would have been more when I was writing it. Mm-hmm. And we would have started pre-production, I think, sometime around... I think around September of that year, I think was that because I remember we COVID had happened and we started kind of initial things like casting and then really got into it more in the the latter half of the year uh, with the intention to shoot kind of straight up with the new year. And then obviously that delay happened. So it's uh, and then we shot mostly in April. Uh, Mm. We did want to show it December 2021. Uh, COVID kind of was a little bit of a nuisance with that one as well. And then now here we are, January. So I think maybe that's still pretty good. That's not yeah, much of a delay. It's not terrible. I think so, mm-hmm. so. Maybe a year and a half, give or take a, a month or so. I mean, that's a good turnaround. I mean, I'm listening. Yeah. I'm sort of listening to myself back there in my head, and I feel like that was just complete gobbledygook. Watch. I don't know where <laughs> I am. I don't know what what day it is anymore. <laughs> it's a Thursday, I think. Yeah. It is yeah. it? Yes. Yeah. It is. I mean, okay, I should cool. know because the premieres are the Friday. And that's tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow. So true enough. I should yeah, know. You don't this. want to miss that. <laughs> I should know it. <laughs> um, well, um, so I think we'll 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 come to the premiere in a couple of yeah, weeks. Yes. But have you got a have you got the next uh, question there, Simon? Yeah, the, uh... yeah. I was wanting to know. Well, actually, sorry, this isn't even my question. This is Laura's question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because Laura watched the film as well. Uh, unfortunately, she's not able to join tonight. But um, she was wondering if there were any films that inspired you to tell this story, in particular regards to its focus on male mental health. I see. I mean, the easy way out would be to say, "Oh yeah, Perks of being a wallflower." Yeah, yeah. Look at that. But <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't think so. I think for me, it was that drive of let's tell something that's kind of grounded that we can make ourselves. That we, you know, locations we can use around the northeast and show that off. And let's just try and you know almost prove to ourselves we can do this and make a make a labour of love really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think kind of just those films that I said before, I guess, were... They're the inspiration, but then they're the driving force because you have that thing of, oh, if we can have that shot which looks like this, then, oh, it almost feels like you've done what, you know, it feels like you've done what you've set out to do. Or So for me, I think it was day five of shooting was when we shot that jogging scene. And that, to me, I think was one of my favourite days because, I mean, we got to go down at the quayside and the Tyne Bridge, so it's a lovely spot anyway, but it was that... Mm-hmm. Oh, we finally filmed the scene that kind of kickstarted this this film, yeah. uh, and I, I think I remember doing some sort of post about it and saying, "Oh, this has kind of been one of the more personal days because that 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 t you know T two transport and transporting two scene is is was probably the kickstart." I think. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Other other than those ones I said before, I, not not really many more spring to mind. Not whether in general or in relation to its its content i think for me it's more it's more just some idea that i had once upon a time that's just developed and i felt like i wanted to do it and thankfully had a, a lot that's of people who so it's come from the, the heart same. not like yeah yeah yeah. And, then, yeah and then as i say yeah loads of people who've also thankfully felt the same and w- wanted to bring it to life it's uh mm-hmm. more, more just passion than anything i think that's refreshing Nice. Yeah. I mean, as well. I mean, tell us a little bit more about your kind of film passions, as well as obviously what 
possibly has gone towards this feature itself. But for our listeners out there, what would you, what are your like favorite genres? Where what your passion? Where do your passion? It's funny. Are? I was talking about this with with people just earlier. I said, oh, it's. I mean, I'm not unique in that sense, but my my interests for film can be so all over the place. You know, you could. I love those masterpieces like Jaws and Rear Window and all of that. And these are the examples I was telling them earlier. But equally, I I love a film like The Magic Roundabout. You know, the one that came out in 2005, <laughs> the animated one. I, I forgot about that well, one. But I'll defend it to the end of days because I think it's fantastic. You know, as a rabbit that does kung fu, that's on drugs. I mean, what more do you mm. want? But uh, on drugs. Wow. Well, that I, was think, a I, you. I think I think it's heavily implied right, cool, cool. <laughs> he's on drugs but, I need uh, to rewatch it it's good it's great and, but uh, but that, you see what I mean it's like you can love a film as random and and what some people would probably say is rubbish uh, as that but uh, it's that argument uh, of Marvel films it's like if you like Marvel films you can't like anything else and you can but uh, <laughs> I don't what know. a horrible argument that is uh, well, <laughs> there's a real there's a real sort of well, speaking of passion, there's a real passion of def- of defensiveness around those films, and yeah, you know the Martin Scorsese, are they cinema, and mm. all of that, and that's a whole other thing. But uh, no, that came I, out of the time that came out of the time you when he was promoting the Irishman. Funny yeah, that. yeah, it's like of, of all the times, but it's you know, it's it's that thing of everyone jumps straight onto that one comment without looking at the. Uh, the wider the picture, concept, as is yeah. usually the case with most articles nowadays. Clickbait, yeah. 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 But no, I mean, I like a smattering of films, really. The easiest thing is always just to show the, the Blu-ray shelves and go, look, there's a great film, there's a rubbish film, but I like it. And, you know, <laughs> I think uh, it's hard to pick a favourite, but if I had to, I think I always kind of lean towards Indiana Jones' Last Crusade. Mm. Kind of lean, lean that. I feel like I've, it's probably the film that I've seen the most and I know mm-hmm. everyone, you know, defends and loves Raiders, but I prefer the third one, I think. Yeah, I think Raiders and Last Crusade are probably on the same level for me. Yeah, so, and they're, I I, they're very interchangeable. I'll watch Raiders and then I'll think, why is Last Crusade my favourite? You know, th- this mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. I think the, the way Raiders is shot is better, but then I prefer everything else about The Last Crusade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more fun. But no, it's a, it's one of those things that when you... When you like with anything with books and music and all sorts, you can like some sort of classical piece from the 1700s, but then like some sort of 21st century rap as well. I suppose of that's course. it, is it? Yeah. Rear Window versus Magic Roundabout. <laughs> what have we got? <laughs> exactly. yeah. You know what? I wish that could be the episode title, but yeah. because it's about your movie... I'll forgo it. Be. I don't mind. For the sake of getting the Magic Roundabout <laughs> shout out, I don't mind. Should we put it in brackets? Finding your yeah. true self or Rear Window versus the Magic Roundabout. Yeah, the, reawa- <laughs> the, 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 the reawakening of the Magic Roundabout. Yeah. What, a ta- what a tagline for the film. Yeah. <laughs> Should do some sort of film just about about someone trying to revive that film and get it seen. <laughs> Could be a pretty hard-hitting documentary. So Yeah, probably yeah. about me. <laughs> Well, then it really will be autobiographical. Mm, yeah. So oh. then you can make something really personal. <laughs> um, we've been talking a bit about the big screen premiere at the Annick Playhouse tomorrow yeah. at 3 p.m. Yes. Are you excited? Yeah, tr- slightly trepidatious, but you always are, aren't you, with something yeah. like this? Yeah. And and how did you secure that slot? Because I used to work in in Annick at the castle. Oh, and nice. I used to be a, the tour guide doing the film tours. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's obviously quite a 
prestigious venue. In how recently did you work? How recently did you work there? Um, literally just finished in October. Oh, nice. Oh, I mean, I, I only asked because I wonder if you were maybe the person who gave my dad the film tour when he went on it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe Because he's then. told me about it and he said I'd like it and I've not, I've never been on it, but he was talking about um, the whole Transformers and falling through the hill of tulips and uh, that, stories yes. like that. Yes. Yeah. That might have been me. Oh, no. The world gets smaller every day. It does. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, it got super small when uh, I got mentioned on the Commode and Mayo podcast for that specific film tour. Really? And nice. implying that Transformers was rubbish. <laughs> and I was pretty much the only male uh, film tour guide at the time. So I was like, I mean... <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was me. I was not named, but uh, they didn't. Yeah. They didn't get. It was heavily implied to be you. Heavily yeah. implied. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, enough <laughs> about me. <laughs> uh, how did you uh, secure that that slot at the Playhouse? I p- pretty much, purely just got in touch with them and explained the situation. Said we- we've got this film. We'd like to hire it. What kind of dates can we do? We, we really want to do it in January. Uh, admittedly, they weren't our first choice. Uh, we wanted to go to the Star and Shadow Cinema in Newcastle mm-hmm. because they're more indie and they're volunteer run, and it's you know it's the kind of place you want to to support really. And we love we love the the films they show and the way they give a little intro and stuff. It's very you know it's more 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 of an experience make going mm-hmm. to the cinema. But they had just had the Northeast Film Festival, and Addison said that they'd cut their capacity, which is normally I think eighty down to only 30 mm-hmm. so we thought that you know it's not even going to cover the cast and crew really and never mind any plus ones or anyone else who wants to to come along so then we looked at the Tyneside cinema but that was just too costly uh, even mm-hmm. for their smallest screen uh, uh, not the gallery one but the Roxy would have been nice but that was too uh, you know just too costly so then I suggested the Playhouse because I said oh I, I know it'll be a bit more of a of a trek for people and maybe a little bit more awkward but at the end of the day you know, we both said, do we want to show it somewhere on a big screen or not? The answer is definitely yes to that. So the Playhouse kind of became uh, the option. And it's a nice one because it's, I mean, it's local for me. Uh, I said it was ever so slightly po- weirdly poetic in a way because I was part of a short film uh, ages ago, back when I was still at high school, and that got shown at the Playhouse. And then I've never really had a showing of anything like that since. I had a showing right. for my documentary, but because of COVID it was over youtube uh, premiere and youtube live with comments and stuff so mm-hmm. i've never really had a big showing of anything since and then now all these years later i end up back at the uh, the bleeding players doing the same thing <laughs> well i tell you what at least it's good for people to make a day out of going around on it right, exactly because, well exactly yeah. it's a nice place and the, the play mm-hmm. the playhouse is great especially you know and it's had all it's sort of it's been all redone and stuff for yeah. since covid and it's a it's a lovely spot you know you, you want to support somewhere like that at the end of the day Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, and so for the people coming out from, I mean, as you say, it's going to be a lot of cast and crew uh, mm. attending. But for people who will be seeing this um, for, the, for the first time, who haven't been involved in the production itself, what uh, do you want them? What would you like for them to take away from the film? What sort of reaction are you wanting to try to stir in people? Uh, enjoyment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to entertain people. I, I want. I want them to come and feel like they've not wasted an hour and a half of their time watching this. Um, no, I think just that. I think it's that thing of, oh, look, films can get made here. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll probably, whether they're Anik based or Newcastle based or whatever, they'll probably recognise some of the locations, if not quite, a, you know, 90% of them. I think it's just that thing of, oh, here's the northeast. 
on film, made by uh, primarily a bunch of up and comings or India, whatever you you know, whatever you want to call, call us or label us, you know, and just that thing of, you know, you can you can make a film and hope, and as I say, it comes back to enjoyment. I hope they just enjoy it, and uh, even if it's small parts of it, I'll take that. You know, that's a pretty pure and noble uh, intention, right there. Well, I think it's just it's for me. It's that thing of I mean, I'm budget wise, you're always kind of going to make things where you are. You know, if I lived in, well, I don't know wherever. If I lived in, I mean, it's ironic because I live in Annick and I've done more of it in Newcastle. But Annick doesn't leave my mind. I think well, if I'm going to make a short film, I know plenty of places around here. But I think it's that mm-hmm. thing of yes, the northeast is finally getting picked up a little bit location wise, but it's that nice way of saying we've got all these wonderful spots here. We've got the, you know, the Tyne Bridge. We've got that whole quayside. It's it's lovely. Let's get it on film. Why not? It's there. Mm-hmm. Utilise it. Yeah. It's, you know, we thankfully don't need to, to hire a load of people to build us a big bridge or CGI a bridge. We've got this lovely <laughs> quayside and bridge, so, you know, we'll use it. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just all these lovely spots, even down to, like, little bits in the montage, you know, Little Mexico, the restaurant in Hexham. It's it's a very, that's a very vibrant and colourful restaurant, that's you know. where that was. Did you recognise okay. it? Uh, sort of, yes. Yeah. I've always like passed it whenever I visit the Texan, which yeah. I actually surprisingly do quite frequently. But um, yeah, never been in. But, but that's the I thing might, is, it looks it time. looks lovely. At least I think we've made it look nice. But it looks nice anyway. And uh, mm-hmm. again, it's that thing of here's a small local, you know, uh, business in Hexham that you've seen in this film. Go along. It's nice. Uh, Daniel is the owner. He plays the waiter in the film mm-hmm. for that brief <laughs> montage bit. That's that's him. So yeah, it's just that it's that nice thing I think of seeing somewhere you recognise uh, on on the screen. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you where somewhere that uh, I've recognised, but it only was revealed to me on watching Country File at the weekend. <laughs> um, Seam Beach, um, yeah. just uh, sort of just south of Sunderland. Um, I didn't realise it was used for some of the coastline shots in Alien Three. Really? So, oh yeah, so, that. that's right. Uh-huh. So David Fincher, if not David Fincher, his second unit director, have yeah. been to Seam Beach. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he he hates that film anyway, doesn't he, David Fincher? I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's probably trying to blank see him out of his mind. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> he would have trekked uh, to, to go and do that, but he would have got the second unit, I feel. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think it was just a little lo- lo- exterior location shots. I don't think there's any cast or crew or anything there. Yeah. But no, that's, <laughs> it, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, you probably still would have done like 50 takes of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and CG'd the hell out of it. That, that, that <laughs> grain of sand was out of place. <laughs> was, uh, no, I, 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 what I was going to say is it's that it's that weird thing of when you search film shot in the northeast. Uh, what's the one with Michael Caine? Get Carter, I think it's called. I've not seen that mm-hmm. yet, but I know that was shot around here. But then aside from that, there's very few. I think a bit of the BFG was done, but it's that was like some shots on the beach at Bamber, I think. Yeah, that's Obviously, right. you'll know a bit more about what's been shot in Anik, being the, the film tour guide has been like, uh, there's the Robin Hood, Harry Potter, etc. But yeah. other than a couple, there's not really much. And then when you go to Newcastle, which you think would probably have had more shot with it being more of the city, it mm. hasn't. And I'm sure like other than Get Carter, the only other thing I found was this film called Stormy Monday, which Tommy Stormy Jones Monday, in, I was just about to say. Which that. I yeah, watched. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't think too much of it. I do need to watch it again. But again, they kind of go they go on the high-level bridge, not the time bridge, but they kind of show it off. Uh, but yeah. aside from that, there's not really any bits of Newcastle in it that you recognise. 
This sounds like a great idea for a future podcast. Let's find Newcastle like northeast lo- films with northeast locations. Absolutely, yeah. let's uh, do I, it. I think is that there's so many lovely spots out there. Even when you're just driving along or you go on a walk somewhere and you see this spot and you think, you you know for a fact you've never seen it been used for a film before. So you think, well, yeah. you know, let's let's make. Why don't we be the first? You know, why 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 hasn't it almost been <laughs> been yeah. used before? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So, I mean, I, I mean, we've covered a lot of the the film itself, uh, from what you've what's gone into it, the premiere coming up tomorrow. Um, what is next on the cards for you then, Gabriel? So we are planning a second feature uh, called oh. Bet on Dwight. That's Bet on Dwight with an exclamation mark. It's one of those I've made it an old Bet on title. Dwight. Bet on Dwight. Uh, and like mother. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those you know just to be awkward titles. I'll call it just you know for anyone who wants to. Well, at least you're acknowledging it now. Well, you know, it's one of those things. It's. I think I've already seen people refer to it without the exclamation mark. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna have to prepare for that to happen all the time because people won't put it. Uh, But yeah, so that's. uh, I mean, I won't say too much, but we're we're hoping all things being well to shoot that at some point in the summer. And there's a. We've cast some people. We've not fully cast yet. We're, we've cast a few roles. Uh, some are familiar, some are not, which I think is going to be a nice mix uh, of, you know, some we've worked with, some we haven't. Uh, and the concept of that is about uh, a struggling videographer who, in an attempt to put himself out there and get more clients, creates sort of this alter ego, this persona uh, called Dwight, who's very, very, you know, very flamboyant. Think kind of like a Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad kind of a... Uh, persona but as he leans into said persona and his arrogance and his ego start to grow his humanity starts to sort of vanish uh, layer by layer that sounds quite fun yeah i think that that one will be a fun one because it is more about film you know film about film so Mm -hmm. we kind of get to take the mick out of the the way the industry works a bit which should be good (laughs) you're you're an old hand at it now you can rip it apart (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's the, I think it's yeah, just that yeah. thing. If you, you sit there. I mean, if we're talking about autobiographical, that that one will be more autobiographical. Because, yeah. but I think Sounds not it. not just for me, but for for anyone who's familiar with the industry, because they'll probably go, "Yep, I've experienced that scenario," or "Yep, I've had someone say that exact thing to me." Uh, at least I feel like I feel like they will. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, keep us posted. We'd uh, we'd love to have you back yeah, on we'll to uh, yeah, get a little preview and uh, talk about it afterwards. Yeah, definitely. Fantastic, but um, we hope it all goes well tomorrow. Um, we'll, uh, as soon as we get our um, podcast put together, we'll uh, bang the drum about it. Um, sure. Hopefully try to uh, direct. So if you keep us posted for when uh, future screenings, we'll be happily to uh, mention it on our social medias to Thanks. get our listeners involved. Thanks. I do have to ask the, the really obnoxious question, uh, uh, and be and do be completely honest, did you enjoy it? <laughs> yeah, I did actually. We did. Yeah, yeah. we really, pre- really saw into like, the... The fact of like I was staggered at an independent feature with the budget that you've revealed you got, the the production value of it. Um, oh. I, both myself and Simon have commented that you do seem to have a really good eye for framing your shots, um, and the, the the feel to it. It's it's got a really good message and a good heart behind it, yeah. and that really shines through from watching I think it's it. A, so yeah, it's a very sentimental film, but I think that's not mm. necessarily a bad thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's it, weird. it wears the top on its sleeve. So it, it, it's, I think it's a bit of a weird one because I, I think very few people realise that it's kind of a coming of age film in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know, you watch it and you think it's very sort of slice of life, and it is. But then I, I kind of tell people, yeah, but coming of age, but in your twenties, and they sort of go, ah, 
and have a have a bit yeah, of a right. moment. And I don't know if you guys got that. I don't know if that's quite evident or not. I feel like it's a you either get I it. I haven't. I haven't come of age yet. I've got to say. So I know. <laughs> and look at him. Look at him. <laughs> oh, it's where well, you know Sorry. you don't need to come of age. There's nothing fun about it. Just carry You've on just become a, child. a dad, Graham. You've come of age. All right. <laughs> no, you are now a man. Okay. <laughs> and a dad. Oh no no no! It's good. No, I'm, I'm very glad you you enjoyed it. Okay. I'm glad you saved that It's such an though. obnoxious question, you know, to ask. But it's I'm, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm curious, you know. And if you didn't like yeah, it, then that's course. fair enough as well. Well, you know, you know all, all feedback is important. Exactly. So. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, thanks from me, Gabriel, as well. Cheers for talking to us. Really yeah, no, no, it. no. Cheers again for for having me on to do it. Not a problem. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll hope to uh, hear from you again in future, and uh, good luck with all your future endeavours. Cheers. Thanks. Okay, and uh, that was our interview with Gabriel Brown there. So, um, really enthusiastic, passionate uh, filmmaker there. So, really pleased to have had him on the show. And uh, yeah, what did you think, Simon? Yeah, like you said, enthusiasm's the word. I think the belief in his own project is kind of really inspiring, especially since, you know, crowdfunded it, self-funded it. Just mm. getting out there and getting it made, just to represent the Northeast on screen as well. It's a very, I mean, I know I said it as well, a very noble purpose so uh yeah good on him and we're happy to feature him yeah absolutely so but for listeners out there we're going to hopefully be able to get some information from gabriel when of means of how people can watch it if they really enjoyed the interview probably going to be digital by the sounds of it yeah by the looks of it and like special sort of i don't know whether they're going to arrange other screenings and things like that on the big screen i mean but yeah um so we will post on our socials about it and the socials by the way are um on twitter at Podcasters, that's P-O-D-D-Y, two Ds and Podcasters. Um, Instagram, Invasion of the Podcasters. Facebook is Invasion of the Podcasters. Gmail, podcastersuk at gmail.com. And also our letterbox, uh, where uh, letterbox.com forward slash podcasters for our previous reviews. Some of them anyway. I mean, yeah. I will try and update it when I can. It's just been a few moons, I'll say that. <laughs> One for the archives, as we say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we hope you enjoyed that interview. And um, that's been how many now have you we done? Well, you've done really. You've Candle and Bell. Who else have we had? Jack Abernethy for Truth, which was yeah. our found footage special, and also who can forget Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> uh, and who knows? We've we've been teasing a Christopher Lambert uh, interview for a while. Um, you know, he he actually did sent me his uh, reading of uh, Address to the Haggis since it was Burns Night the other night because, you know, he's an he's honorary Scotsman having starred in Highlander and played Connor McLeod. Uh So there you go. We might have a live reading of uh, Address to Haggis as well as, you know, some great content from Christopher. What Who a knows? guy. Who knows? Who um, knows? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, Scott touch. Scott might have to video that, but we'll see what he says. Yeah. I I think you'll just say right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's like he was here all along. 
Indeed, exactly. We do miss him and Laura, but uh, yeah, so <laughs> keep your ears out, listeners. Um, so we will be launching um, our new podcasts coming soon for season three. Um, we will, of course, be posting on our socials for little um, little pointers of great films that we pick up along the way um, for you guys to look out for. So thank you very much for listening to this episode and keep an eye out for new ones coming along soon. And uh, thanks once again from Grim. Goodbye. And Simon. Goodbye. And I echo all of that too. Good night, everyone.